0: CIRCLE OF FRIENDS. WELCOME INDEED TO THE WASHINGTON ETHICAL SOCIETY. I AM KAREN schofield leka MY PRONOUNS ARE PER AND PERS, SHORT FOR PERSON, AND I AM THE officiant TODAY. WELCOME EVERYONE TO for OUR MULTIMEDIA PLATFORM, WHETHER YOU ARE HERE IN THE HALL, WATCHING ON ZOOM, OR CATCHING THE RECORDING LATER. WE ARE ONE COMMUNITY, UNIFIED ACROSS TIME AND SPACE gathering to affirm our values and commit to a better world. If you're on Zoom, please check the chat for a welcome and various tips from today's Zoom chat usher, Judy Myers. If you're here in the hall and would like an assisted listening device, please ask the sound team at the back. Visitors, if you are here in person, please stop by the welcome table, which is out in the lobby after platform today to speak to a greeter or to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. And for those of you who are visiting um, electronically either now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo Thomas at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org, or to fill out a connection form, which you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. I'll now read a few of the greetings that folks have written in the Zoom chat, and folks joining virtually, you can use this time to gather a candle, to light during our candle lighting. And let's see, we have, Judy says, welcome everyone. Laura DeShulo says, good morning, as does Ed Elder, wishes good morning to all. Um, Andrea Najano says, good morning from Andrea, Augustine, and Pat, all joining us together. Barbara Rose says, greeting everyone. Barbara here in Clearwater, Florida. I'm a member of Manatee UU Fellowship, located in Bradenton, and this is their first time here. So welcome, Barbara. As many people have said in the chat as well. Um, and Shirley Storm says, Good morning, Wes, friends. Indeed, good morning to all. It is good to connect and share this time together. Our opening music today is Home Again by Carol King.
1: sometimes i wonder if i'm ever gonna make it home again it's so far and out of sight i really need someone to talk to and nobody else knows how to comfort me
0: feeling right. Thank you so much for that beautiful music. Each week we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc/readsop. Today's reader is Laura Steele who has had many roles in her years as a member, but right now is serving on the Community Relations Committee and the Stewardship Committee, for which we thank her. Lara, here you go.
2: The Washington Ethical Society is a humanist congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders.
0: Thank you, Laura. As Laura lights our community candle, I invite those of you with candles at home to light yours and for everyone to join in our candlelighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thanks. This morning's story is Fry Bread, a Native American family story it was written by Kevin Noble Mayard, illustrated by Juan Martinez-Neal, and told by our senior leader, Casey Slack.
3: Fry bread is food. Flour, salt, water, Cornmeal, baking powder, perhaps milk, maybe sugar, all mixed in a big bowl. Fry bread is shape. Hands mold the dough flat like a pancake, round like a ball or fluffy like Nana's softest pillow. Fry bread is sound. The skillet skillet clangs on the stove, the fire fire blazes from below. Drop the dough in the skillet, the bubbles
4: sizzle
3: and pop. Thybrad is color, golden brown, tan, or yellow, deep like coffee, sienna or earth, light like snow and cream, warm like rays of sun. Fry bread is flavor. See, beans or soup. Smell tacos, cheese and vegetables. Delight in honey and jam. Rise to discover what brings us together. Fry bread is time. On weekdays and holidays, supper or dinner, powwows and festivals, Moments together with family and friends. Frybread is art. Sculpture, landscape, portrait. Our daily craft shared from teacher to student. A cycle of heritage and fortune. Frybread is history. The long walk, the stolen land, Strangers in our own world with unknown food.
5: We made new
3: recipes from what we had. Frybread is place. Alaska, Kansas, all the way to Maine, down to Delaware, on to Georgia, over to Oklahoma, Colorado, and California. Cities and lands we call home. Frybread is nation. Abenaki, Apache, Arapaho, Ojibwe, Onunggunga, Ola Sioux, Narangaset, Navajo, Nipmuc, Seminole, Shoshone, Sac and Fox, hundreds and hundreds of tribes. Fry bread is everything. Round, flat, large, small, north, south, east, west, Brown, yellow, black, white, familiar and foreign, old and new, we come together. Frybread is us. We are still here, elder and young, friend and neighbor. We strengthen each other to learn, change, and survive. Frybread is you. end of this book, which I will leave out where you can see later today, there's a recipe for fry bread. And as we continue today, I encourage you to think on family and community traditions that bring nourishment and love and care into our bodies. And let us keep alive in us all the people that we love.
0: Let us now enter into the centering time of our platform. Each week we bring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the violence that public servants and their families have been subjected to, increasingly of late and yearn for a return to greater civility and respect for service to our communities. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. Invite you now into a time of meditation. <clears throat> Please begin by settling your body so that it as is at ease. Might need some stretching, some wiggling, and then some resting. Close your eyes or soften your gaze and let your thoughts still as you focus on your breath. Take a slow, deep breath, hold it and release it. And again, breathing in and breathing out. Today for Remembrance Day, we pause to remember, to grieve and to dream we pause to celebrate that which was, that which is, and that which will be. As you continue to breathe evenly, I invite you to also take inspiration from a guided meditation, this sacred thread by Heather K. Janoules, and see what memories and which people surface in your heart. They once dwelled among us, the people of memory, they who knew us, they who taught us, they who heard us, they who loved us. They touch our lives time and again through their presence and their absence, through familiar scents and favorite songs, through old stories and renewed sorrow. As the earth turns and leaves fall, we reach back to renew the bonds between us. With hearts and hands open, we hold onto love ever stronger than death. We reach back in gratitude and understanding. Without our time together the pain and the joy, we would never be who we are today we would have little to pass on ourselves. Without fear, with thanksgiving, and with hope for all that awaits, we remember those who have gone before. We honor the circle of life and death and our place within this sacred thread. We continue our meditation in silence and the music that follows.
5: Now it's
1: only
0: Casey shares the, their platform address. We begin with this reading Immortality by Leslie Takahashi. In the daily weave of our lives, those who have died are still strong guiding threads. Theirs is a golden glimmer, or perhaps the r- brilliant red, or the melancholy blue. Still, they are part of the whole cloth of our lives. They are the ancestors, the goers before. Through this, we know immortality. In the hour-to-hour rush in our daily lives, they travel with us through something they taught us, which is now ours to do. Through something they loved, which is now ours to carry out. Through something we shared, which is now ours alone and yet not. Through this, we know immortality. In the minute-to-minute grasp of where we are, we remember the joys our departed ones gave us, which opened us up to hope, the sorrows we knew together which taught us strength, the life shared which is now ours to steward. Through this, we know immortality in the second to second pulse of life, we sense the spirit of those we have loved and lost. This presence is too shy for naming, too amorphous for full knowing, and yet as real as the days we shared. Through this, we know immortality. They are more than remembered, They are memory itself. For what we love lives on in the way our beloved dead accompany us through our life. Their words and wisdom, our guide, their humor, our relief, their restless concern for the world, our charge. Through this, we know immortality.
3: As many of you already know, I grew up in a pretty large family. My mom is one of eight children. I have about 30 first cousins. Our family holidays can't be on the days that the holidays actually are because not everybody can be there. But still, when we get together to celebrate Christmas, there are 90 people in a banquet hall we outgrew all of our homes many years ago. This kind of large family experience is a really complicated gift. Because if you love a lot of people, chances are you will lose and grieve a lot of people. I cannot remember a time in my life before death was a reality that I knew about. The first memory of my own life that I can place on a timeline is of my cousin's death. My cousin Jason was 10 years older than me. He was 14. He died in a car accident when I was four. And I remember going to his funeral at the funeral home across the street from my grandparents' house, and walking back across my grandparents' yard and getting stung in the ear by a bee. This leaves an impact on a person. I was lucky to get to know and love all four of my grandparents. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them today because they are so much a piece of how I am here. Not just in that they gave genetics to and raised my parents, but in the ways that they raised me, in the ways that knowing and losing them changed me. So I'll tell you about them in the order that I lost them. My grandma slack, my dad's mom, Regina Skripczynski. She was a tiny, very Polish woman with an attitude. She and my grandfather had gotten divorced before that was so common and as Jehovah's Witnesses. So, you know, that took some doing. She would say that he would never die, because in order to die, you had to have done something with your life. And as far as she could tell, he never had a job. She came to live with us when I was about five years old. She had had a stroke and could no longer move around on her own, so she lived in our house, and my other grandma came each day to take care of her. And I was little, I got to be home with my grandmas, who would hang out in the kitchen and cook together, and talk together, and watch Oprah together, and let me make up magazines to give to them. When it was winter, my grandma and I would decorate the Christmas tree together. Me, this tall, and her seated in a wheelchair. We would decorate. About that much of the tree, and overnight my mom would sneak downstairs and fix it. And then spend the whole next day going, Look at what a good job Casey and Grandma did. We would gather in the kitchen and we would make chicken paprikash and pierogi and krischikis. Chrischikis are little bits of knotted fried dough. Everybody has fried dough. Everybody has a dumpling and everybody has fried dough. <laughs> I might think that pierogi and Krishikis are among the best of them, but everybody's got them. When my dad was a kid, my grandma would listen to a Polish-language radio station in Cleveland. But she never taught her kids to speak or understand Polish, so all my dad ever got out of it was Buckeye Avenue. She died when I was about seven years old, and I remember having trouble walking by her room after she passed. I do not like to say passed, but it's hard with her. Her room was at the top of the stairs in my parents' house, and I would run past it down the hall to my room. But my grandma Ding, my mom's mom, was always with me for funerals. And she would say, and I remember her saying to seven-year-old sobbing, Casey, you get as many breaths as you get, and then it's over. And you do your best on the way. Your grandma did a good job. She did her best. She loved you. She lived, she worked. It's okay. Sometimes it's just over. My grandpa Slack who may or may not have ever had a real job was the person who gave me my very first stuffed animal, a little pink pig that I call squeeze pig. He lived in a trailer by himself until he was 93 years old moved into my parents' house, fell, moved into a locked memory unit, woke up on the morning of Inauguration Day in 2009, had a cup of coffee, laid down, and died. He was full of stories that may or may not have been true about his life. He would tell me about when he was a radio DJ in Cleveland And how he almost coined the term rock and roll, but somebody got there first. (laughs) About how he was just a little bit too ethnic to have been Dean Martin, and we all know that Dean Martin was a little bit too ethnic to be Dean Martin. So, how that happened, I don't know. He would talk about when he was an insurance salesman and when he sold encyclopedias, and he had stories for days. My dad didn't like to visit him very much, but my mom and I would. And my grandpa, a man who learned how to use a computer when he was in his 70s and computers were much harder to use than they are right now. He would unplug his computer from the internet after having emailed my mother and I to tell us that the internet was out. and we we would arrive arrive to find our favorite ice cream in his freezer, (laughs) and the internet Internet, simply unplugged. (laughs) My mom would say, Jim. Oh, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Huh. Well, Well, since you're you're here, here. (laughs) he never needed to trick us. He could have just asked, but that wasn't his way. The last conversation I ever had with him was circuitous. I think we had the same conversation three times. But each time he tried to give me a gift. Now, let me be clear. None of the gifts were things that were his to give. Some of them were, in fact, the birds outside. But he was confident that he had something he wanted to give me. And I was clear that what he was giving me were some more memories, some final moments together, him and I, who had been friends my whole life.
5: My grandma was at his funeral too,
3: saying the same thing that she had been for years. You get as many breaths as you get, and then it's over. You do your best on the way,
5: and it's okay
3: when it's done. <clears throat> grandma ding is the one it's hard, hard to talk about. And of course she's next. My grandmother ding ding was the center of my mom's family. She and my grandfather got married when she was three days past 16. They had waited that long because there were still child support payments being made in her name and her grandparents who received them wanted to keep getting the money as long as they could. They got married three days after grandma's birthday and they had their first child a year later. She had eight children in the course of 10 years. And when she was done, she was 27 years old. And she went to the doctor and said, I would like to have my tubes tied. And the doctor said, well, but you're not 30 yet. And she said, I have a baseball team worth of children. I am done. And they said, you are not 30 yet. And so she went home and she doctored her birth certificate to say that she was 30 went to to another doctor, (laughs) got her tubes tied in, oh gosh, if Aunt Candy is 60, then it would be eh, 1962, 1963 that she's having this conversation. In nowhere Ohio. She was something else. She taught all 30 of her grandchildren to talk back to their parents. (laughs) If I have a quick mouth now, it it starts there. (laughs) She got my ears pierced against my father's wishes. She also could do everything. My grandma knit and crocheted with the best of them. She could plant a garden that would grow no matter how bad the soil looked that year. She had the most beautiful flower beds And we would sometimes take flowers directly from her garden to a 10th of a mile down the street where our house was and plant them in our garden and they would die. But in her garden, they were gorgeous. She could cook everything, but all of my favorite things she made were things that she had learned growing up on a farm, poor in Appalachia. She made something called poor man's cake, which is a dense cake full of spices and raisins, and it's like you throw everything you've got at it to make it a cake that is good. It's delicious, and none of my classmates ever appreciated it when I took it to school. She made these pancakes. Everybody in my family is obsessed with Grandma's pancakes. Not thick and fluffy like you think of American pancakes, but not quite a crepe either. Big, thin, and dense. You could eat two of them and be full for the rest of the day. We would call her on our way home from vacation and say, Grandma, we're coming home. Can you make pancakes? And we'd get to her house and there would be a stack of pancakes and her and Grandpa would be ready to welcome us into the kitchen, ready to welcome us home She taught me how to can things. We would can green beans from her garden and then eat them later in the year. We finally ate the last of the canned green beans from Grandma and Grandpa's gardens years after they died. One time, I came home to help her and my mom make a pumpkin roll. And I found my grandma laughing over a bowl of completely ruined pumpkin roll batter. She looked at me and she said, if I handed you a bowl and I asked you to fold something in, what would you do? And I said, well, I would get the spatula and I would fold fold it in. She said, would you like to guess what your mother did? She used the handheld mixer, the electric one. It collapsed the batter. I said, Grandma, I think you were responsible for teaching him that. And
4: she said, no, this is your fault.
3: (laughs) We did crafts all the time at Grandma's house. She taught us so much. And she and my grandpa also taught all of us so much about death and mourning about living with the kind of world where you will be sad, you will be grieving. They bought their headstone early, like really early, like when I was a child. And we would go and visit their headstone just so they knew that we knew where it was and were in the habit of visiting them. I still can't go home without going to the funeral home and sitting down and having a conversation with my grandparents. Caitlin can tell you, the first time they went to Ohio, there was a lot of, let's go talk to dead people. Um, Oops. Uh, My grandma also would take us in a car, grandma and grandpa would load us in a car and take us to West Virginia where they're from, and introduce us to all of their dead people. Walk us through the cemeteries, the family cemetery, and then say, so this is this person and tell a story. And we learned, I learned, that the thing that you do with your grief, the thing that you do with your memories, the thing that you do with the aching space that people live in you when they go, is you tell their stories. And if you can, you, you tell, tell the funny ones. <laughs> and if you can't, you tell the harder ones. You tell them all because that is how they stay alive in you. I was 23 when my mom died. And she was... 73. She had been a smoker her whole life from when she was 13, and she had a routine surgery, got some water in her lungs, and could never get it out. She had never really wanted to be intubated, but she agreed to try it. And after she got intubated and couldn't speak anymore, my mom asked her what she thought of all of this. And on a piece of paper, she wrote one word. Bullshit. My cousins and I have plans to get that tattooed on all of us. That is the memory of Mildred Lois Ding. I was shocked that my grandpa lived a whole two years after she died. They had been married for over 60 years. They had been together every day. He was something else too. He didn't know how to say I love you when I was a kid. He didn't grow up in that kind of family. So I would say, I love you. And he would say, I, you too. (laughs) He got there eventually. But he never, never failed to show me how much he loved me. I think I learned from my grandpa Ding more about how to show love than from any other single person. He was a chaperone for every single field trip I took from kindergarten through fourth grade. And I went to a Montessori school during that period of time, so there were a lot of field trips. And he was often the only man who went with us, so him and I would be stuck with the poorest-behaved kids in the class. And invariably, by the end of the day, they were much better behaved. (laughs) we would go to science museums, and he would decide that what they had taught us about electricity wasn't sufficient. And so he was going to teach us about DC current and why you should really not use it. He also did everything for my grandmother. When they first got married, he was an alcoholic and she dealt with that and dragged him out of bars and caused him to become a responsible person. And so he understood his job as they got older as being giving her everything that she wanted making sure that he showed her in every action how much he loved her and appreciated the role she had had in his life. She would say, Ed, I've got a taste for something, and he would head out into the world and find it. She would say, I wanna go to the sales today, and he would find all the best garage and estate sales and drive her there. I literally never saw her drive a car in my entire life. He always drove. And one of the ways that I keep him alive in my life is that I always drive. Caitlin doesn't have to
5: handle highways, which they don't
3: like doing. I try to love Caitlin like my grandpa loved my grandma without the difficult First part. My grandpa died two weeks before I was set to leave for seminary. I had been at a UU summer camp week long and I called my mom on Wednesday night because there had been a young adult vespers service that evening and I had been the one who spoke and everybody had been so impressed and it was new to me. And my My mom mom said, that's "That's great, Casey. Um, We We don't don't think Grandpa's Grandpa's gonna make it until you get home. But he did. He waited for me. And it's clear that he waited for me, though I didn't believe it at the time. I have seen since then enough death to know that people can wait until the right person is there or not. He waited for me so that I could hold his hand and sing to him so that I could be the one who noticed. He waited for me. I tried to not leave. I told my mom I would stay. She told me that clearly he had wanted me to go. He had wanted me to go without the burden of needing to come back. So I took one of our favorite yard sale treasures, a little plastic skunk. (laughs) And I kept that little plastic skunk on my desk throughout seminary and I have moved it around with me over the past several years. A plastic skunk that doesn't Necessarily mean anything or have any value on its own. A plastic skunk meant to be filled with sand and put in your yard and then forgotten about, which is precious to me. My family knows death maybe too well. My parents were here for a couple of days. They had hoped to come today and meet all of you, but that didn't happen for a variety of reasons we were talking about how, for someone my age, I am weirdly familiar with death. And I said, well, I find that occupationally pretty helpful. But also, how could I, how could I not? How could I not when my birth knew about the deaths of my parents' siblings before I got there? My mom's younger brother, Fred, and my dad's older sister, Joyce, both died in car accidents in the same year, a long time before I was born. How could I not when we lived across the street from the funeral home, oh, well, Grandma and Grandpa did, and I was there all the time, and my grandma would be in the window looking any time there were cars. I wonder who's over there today. She'd pick up the phone and she'd call and more often than not, she and Grandpa would know whoever it was, so they'd get their nice clothes on and walk across the street. This is some of my grief. This is some of what lives in me, comes with me every time I go to a memorial service, hold someone's hand as they mourn. My grandparents came with me every time I attended a death as a hospital chaplain. And what I want to give you is what my grandma Ding gave me. You get as many breaths as you get. And then it's over. You do the best you can on the way from birth to death, and it is enough. And when you are gone, if you have done well, which you probably have, people tell each other stories about you. People are compelled to stand up in In front front of of a room full of people they don't know super well yet and talk about what you taught them. The people we love probably don't get anything but the breath they have between birth and death. If there's something, I don't know what it is and it's not knowable. I know we have this time I know we get to do our best now. We get to be good ancestors while we are alive. People worth telling stories about later. We get to leave behind love and care and belief in one another. And that is enough. Whoever is in your heart today, whatever is most on your mind, they were enough. Their life was sufficient as it was. No matter how long or short, how privileged or not, it was beautiful and good and worth remembering. And each day, your lives are beautiful and good and will be worth remembering. Thank you.
0: At this darkening time of the year, our thoughts turn to things past, to life retreating, to those who are no longer with us. Images come to our minds of dear companions who once graced our lives, loved ones whom we miss. Persons whose lives made an impact on our life. Of all those who are here, contributing, caring, and are now gone. Our memories bring both joy and sadness. Let us not push these feelings away. For our recollections attest to the enduring importance of these friends, this love, our memories. May these brave and lovely spirits live again in our tender thoughts and prove that death and distance are powerless to sever the bonds that connect truly loving hearts.
1: Wish I were with you, but I couldn't stay. Every direction leads me away. Pray for tomorrow, but for today, all Sure. and
4: grace and
1: all the
0: forward and place a candle for their own beloved dead. There are candles at the back of the hall. Please bring one forward through the side aisle. Step to the mic if you'd like to say their name aloud. Then place your candle on this front table and you can return to your seat through the center aisle. You may move now. And as we carry these flames, we honor and remember those who have passed into mystery. Their brightness lives on in our vision, their courage lives on in our commitments, and their love continues to bless the world through us. Paul
1: Lobach, Sonny Matthew, Olga Alexandratos.
4: Jim Henson. Beth Napier.
2: Lots. Randy Wynn.
1: My mom, Mara Scullin.
4: Andrew David Nehal, Jr., my, my father. Melvin Sims he is still with us, but he needs to be remembered today.
1: Kay Davis.
2: Sandy Beanen, Daryl Steedman, Nick McIntosh.
4: Yang Grandma Lynn. Helen Baker, Fred Baker. Mildred Worf.
2: Becca Pardo, my
4: daughter.
2: Gary Allen Newworth, my brother, whose birthday would have been today. Philip Oppenheim, my father. My friends,
1: Allison Gansler and Michael Manuel.
0: Gold Dorothy Charles yeah.
5: right? <laughs> My son Nicholas Nelsison Sorrell
0: My Parents Peg and Jim Coleman and my Aunt Annabelle
4: Shirley Bider Morris Bider And George and Martha Silva. My parents, Phil Geyer and Elaine Geyer and Larry Ingro.
2: Elle Miller, the Director
3: of Administration of the American Ethical Union.
0: My parents, Jean and Don Clark,
2: and Matthew Ariana. And Will
0: Robert Morris and
5: Peter Fabo
4: Lily's Nana Capers
2: and her grandfather Bob and Ashton Troy. been studying my youth.
0: reminds us that they are with us still. In the struggles we choose for ourselves, in the ways we move forward in our lives and bring our world forward with us, it is right to remember the names of those who gave us strength in this choice of living. It is right to name the power of hard lives well lived. We share a history with those lives. We belong to the same motion. They too were strengthened by what had gone before. They too were drawn on by the vision of what might yet come to be. Those who lived before us, who struggled for justice and suffered injustice before us, have not melted into the dust and have not disappeared. They are with us still. The lives they loved, lived hold us steady. Their words remind us and call us back to ourselves. Their courage and love evoke our own. We, the living, carry them with us. We are their voices, their hands, and their hearts. We take them with us and with them choose the deeper path of living. And so let us breathe and reflect for a moment. Just as we share our connections in this community, so too do we share our resources and our gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we're sharing half of the offering with Brigadas del de West, which is an English Solidarity Brigade of the West. I'm sure it sounds much better in my not Spanish Spanish. A self-managed community initiative that supports grassroots efforts and collective community processes in western Puerto Rico. The group was formed in 2017 to support families and communities in their recovery processes after Hurricane Maria. Their continuing mission is to provide the self-sustainable development of communities through diverse human resources in order to achieve social, food, economic, and cultural sovereignty. Let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity. For those who are able to respond, we offer several options. As noted on the screen, The number to give by text is 202-335-1885. And you can donate online via tiny.cc slash westgives or by clicking on give on our website at thegullsociety.org. You can place cash or check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out and you can always send a check by mail. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music from Susan and Maria and Zoe.
1: The voice might be one and the same. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that I'm supposed to be. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreams
0: so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Staff members in Dara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Maceo Thomas, and Tom Hutton. intermusic music coordinator, Leah Morris. Musicians, Susan Alexander, Zoe Alexandratas, and Mari Breen Rothman. Our tech team members, John Lika, Denise Howell, and Michael Dimion. Slide artists, John and Abby Dakin. Zoom, Usher, Judy Myers, in-person greeters and candlelighters Donna Taylor and Adam Briskin, Linehouse. At the conclusion of Platform, we won't actually have our typical coffee hour, so that we can instead have our fall membership meeting, which begins at twelve twenty, and it will be in multimedia format, like somewhat like Platform, actually a little bit more interactive. Um, so it will be both in-person and via Zoom. Um, minus coffee, but, however, it will be preceded by a chance for yummy treats in the Golden Spoon cookie contest. But first, I want to mention a few things coming up in the life of our community. Wes' Sunday Ethical Education for Kids or are program is beginning in just another week. There will be three cohorts, pre-K to fifth grade, sixth to eighth grade, and the high school teen group, until more volunteers who do not need to be parents, are recruited to allow the program to expand. If you want to play more of a role in the village that helps West raise its young people, please email Ndara at N-D-A-R-A-M at ethicalsociety.org. It's a great way to be involved in the community. Brian, I believe has an announcement. You wanna step to that mic? Thank
1: you, Sharon. I'm sure by now you have received a few emails about the LDC election. Um, Just as a friendly reminder, the election closes today at three o'clock for the LDC vacancies. There are two um, vacancies on the board. And so uh, I encourage you, if you haven't voted already, please do so. Uh, You can uh, vote from that. Um balance received electronically. And at the same time, if you haven't already voted, thank you for your interest and your encouragement. It's been great to
2: see the reaction so far. Thank you.
0: Thanks to Brian, the LLDC for organizing that and for the candidates who have stood for election. So we are now just days away from the West Auction on Saturday evening, November 5th, and I believe Emily Newman is here, yes, indeed, to tell us more. Which
3: I would prefer, yeah, that's good. Oh,
0: he's, he would
3: prefer the
5: podium. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, auction is this coming Saturday, November 5th, and we'll be going lots of places together. Next slide. Uh, We'll be both in person, physically here, taking over all of uh, West, the main hall, social hall, and lobby, as well as online. You can relax on Zoom however you'd like to be. Um, and then if you can show the next slide, all bidding is happening online. So this um, they have the link up there as well as that QR code gets you into the app. This is a great time before Saturday to uh, whether you've gotten your ticket or need to get it to figure out how to log into the system and um, We've got some test items available for you to practice bidding. Also this coming Tuesday, um, I'm gonna do a Zoom at 6 p.m. The link is in the uh, news and notes as well as on the auction website to uh, go over how to do the bidding. If anyone who was with us in 2020, it's that, sim- it's that process. So it's just gonna be a little bit more special since we're gonna have the live opportunities as well. So. What are we giving away and selling and bidding on during auction? Great question. Got some pretty. On the next slide. Got, um, we'll be going to the theater, the ballet and the movies. Next slide. Um, we'll be going hiking, cruising to the ballpark, to the Jurassic era and to the good place. Next slide. Um, and we have lots and lots of baskets, plus individual items services um, other opportunities everybody can get a basket we have you You can can give them to your friends and family you're gonna want them they're packed literally overflowing with stuff um and then again uh, next slide we'll travel around the world with our taste buds during and after auction so we'll have um various um, appetizer, a snack, a dessert options. We're going to give you big plates so you don't have to do too many trips. And we can relax. Our wine is again donated by uh, Craig and Kate Thornton. And we've got some um, sodas and waters as well, uh, and some all of the cookies you're gonna be able to sample in today's bake sale will also be available for purchasing and bidding um, in the auction, um, and then events you can eat at later. And then, um, so, oh, I, think okay, I, I think I jumped, I jumped ahead. ahead. Speaking, Speaking of food, <laughs> we're gonna have food um, uh, here, so that's another um, perk of coming in person. I do wanna remind you to COVID um, regulations, we've limited the number from previous years, so it's very, very important that you get your ticket um, if you're gonna be in person with us, Um, and we definitely are doing.
0: check-in at the door.
2: Thank you all for
0: being part of Platform today, and I invite you to enjoy our closing song and join in if you know Home by Karl Bonoff.
1: lights were bright and we have been up many an hour
4: and all through my brain
1: came the refrain of home and its warming fire and home sings me of sweet things my life there So And hold
0: a few last reminders before we leave if you are new to our community please send an email to our membership coordinator maceo thomas and introduce yourself or come see him in person today for the west membership meeting again it starts today at twelve twenty. please point your browser to tiny.cc west membership meeting all one word and now i invite you to join me in our closing words for the month let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment to mutuality, bringing our whole selves and honoring the fullness of one another in our quest for a better world. Again, thank you for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon at the membership meeting, at the auction, and then next time here again at platform.
4: Have a great week, everyone.